On today's Bold Alpha, bowing to the mob, bad beta move. NBC Sports sued for heterosexual discrimination. Fake news, liberal media screaming ICU bed shortage in a crowded theater. NASCAR's Bubba Wallace booed, not exactly shocking. And a longtime friend and American dream success story passes. Bold Alpha is presented by New World from A.J. Fernandez. Draped in a bold, dark Nicaraguan wrapper and jam-packed with ultra-flavorful Nicaraguan fillers, the Box Press New World delivers medium to full-bodied, elegant taste. AJFCigars.com By Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Nicaraguan series, 100% pure Nicaraguan tobaccos, 100% full-bodied flavor, GurkhaCigars.com And by Davidoff of Geneva, reintroducing the Avo Classic Maduro. Smooth, creamy, rich Avo cigars. Change the tempo. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Welcome to Bold Alpha. I'm Alpha Dave, the general and alpha male-in-chief with alpha male lifestyle conversation and commentary. Bowing down to the mob. It is always a terrible idea. Taking a knee, bowing down, trying to placate the mob, never works. It is a sign of weakness. And all the Democrat mayors in Minneapolis, in Seattle, in Portland, in Chicago, in Atlanta... All those cities where we have seen violent protesting and looting and desecration, all those mayors thought, we'll just be kind to them. We'll let them, we'll let them go ahead and get their energy out, and then we'll have peaceful conversations. Well, the mayor of Seattle thought that in the chop zone, she could have peaceful conversations, and she could have rational, intelligent conversations with the supposed leaders in that zone of Seattle that were hijacked by anarchists. And when the violence got too extreme, and she tried to negotiate a 24-hour or 48-hour withdrawal, what happened? Nothing. It took force of the police to come in and remove them. It is that simple. And what we are seeing now are not rational or peaceful protesters, but violent mob anarchists. Portland, perfect example. Federal buildings, uh, courthouses, federal buildings being, being sprayed with graffiti, being vandalized. So what did the federal government do? They decided under Homeland Security they would bring out militarized personnel to protect those buildings. Go after the mobsters since the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, is too beta to go after them. And now all of a sudden, when arrests are made, the mayor, the ACLU, other groups saying, this is an outrage. This can't happen. There were police officers that were not wearing their name tags, that were in unmarked cars, essentially kidnapping, arresting and kidnapping these protesters. Let's stop calling them protesters. They're criminals. They're violent anarchist criminals. And the reason that the police officers or the federal officers, federal agents, are no longer wearing name tags, because when they do wear a name tag, these anarchists, one of their tactics, they dox the officers, the agents. They release their private information, where they reside, where they where, where spouses may work, where their families, their kids attend schools. And they put them in unmarked cars. Very simple. Enough of the kumbaya, let's all work together and hold hands and try to end this. These are not George Floyd protesters. They are violent mob criminals. Perfect example. Yesterday, late afternoon, early evening, Chicago, Grand Park, big park in in Chicago, Illinois, as they'd say in Chicago. How you doing? Let's go to Chicago, eh? Well, we saw police. There were... There were a number, about a 1,000 anarchists, violent demonstrators that tried to put a rope around the Christopher Columbus statue and yank it down. 
They swarmed Christopher Columbus. They swarmed Grand Park. They wanted to topple it down, and they started screaming, he's a murderer, he's a killer. These people don't know the first lick about history. They have no idea. Most of these people have the IQ of my, less than the IQ of my shoe size, which is an 11 and a half, triple E. So what did we see last night? The police started to swarm around the, to protect the statue, and all of a sudden they were getting pelted with beers, with sodas, with firecrackers, with, with uh, all sorts of other, other, I mean, you name it. They were getting pelted, and they were really trying to take cover, and then all of a sudden they called for backup, and, uh, and there were plenty of police that finally showed up, and they pushed the demonstrators back, but people climbed over the wall. They raid, even waded through the, uh, the, the smoke from earlier fireworks, incendiary devices. Somebody scaled the statue. They just kept going on and on and on. I mean, this nonsense where they're throwing firecrackers or other incendiary devices at cops, enough is enough. This bullshit's got to end. And it started really when you look at this, this goes back almost to last summer when in New York City, we saw police that were going to make arrests started getting pelted by hoodlum thugs with water bottles, with beer cans, with other soda cans. They were getting doused. And the mayor and the police chief did absolutely nothing. It starts from the top. And look at all the cities where these beta mayors are allowing this nonsense to fester. Seattle, Minneapolis, Atlanta. It took the it took the just the outrageous murder of an innocent eight year old girl, a black child, by the way, whose mother made the cardinal sin of turning into where the the Wendy's that was burnt down, where all the protesting occurred in Atlanta. She wanted to turn around, but these anarchists, violent protesters, thugs, decided that. They would pull a chop move, that they would dis- that, that area of Atlanta was theirs. And even though police removed barricades, they, the, these thugs put the barricades back up. And when this woman just went to turn around, a couple of uh, thugs came in, two guns, and they shot and killed and murdered in cold blood an eight-year-old girl. Then finally, the mayor of Atlanta wakes up and says, enough's enough. Where the fuck was she before? Why the hell didn't she say when this nonsense started, when they burned it down, saying, you're not going to occupy that area. Enough's enough. And we're not going to have this violence in this city. You want to peacefully protest? Fine. You start blocking traffic and blocking the interstate? That's not going to happen. You get violent? That's not going to happen. You start brandishing weapons in an area that's public property? That's not going to happen. We're looking at it in other cities. You see Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, and when she's criticized by Kaylee McEnany, the president's press secretary. All of a sudden, Lightfoot just uh, uh, just goes on and says, hey, Karen, watch your mouth, calls her Karen, which is that derogatory term for a white person. What a load of bullshit. I mean, Lightfoot is an absolutely incompetent, total zero of a mayor, has no clue absolutely clueless. And she's the same person that said, nobody in Chicago can go get a haircut during the lockdown. All the, the salons and, uh, and, and gyms, everything's got to be closed. Yet, amazingly, she went and got a haircut and I think a color, although it didn't do her any good because trust me, she's no beauty. I don't give a shit what you do to her. Not exactly a looker. Woof, woof. Actually, really, that's an insult to all dogs, especially my canine world baron who is lying next to me right now. But Lori Lightfoot stated after she had a haircut, she went to the salon, she got a little coloring job on her hair. She said, well, I have to look good because I'm in front of the media all the time. Ah, what do I always say about these libs, these hypocrites, these total phonies? Do as I say, not as I do. I don't give a shit if it's for climate change or this nonsense where everybody's got to be in permanent lockdown, but they can go out and they can get their hair cut, or, they, uh, or the, the, the governor of Michigan, Whitmer, when she wouldn't allow anybody to even go to their second homes where they could go and, 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 and isolate themselves. 
where they could remain in in seclusion, not going around and spreading anything, but they could have a stay-at-home order in their second home. Wouldn't allow that. Marinas couldn't open. Yet her husband tried to get special preferential treatment by calling the marina and say, well, you know, my, my wife is the governor. Don't you know who I am? Can't you do it for me? And, of course, Whitner just laughed it off, saying, oh, it was a joke. The hell it was. This is how these libs and these Dems think. Number one, they think they're smarter than you and I, which we know is horseshit. Number two, they're so hypocritical. Do as I say, not as I do. The rules don't apply to them. When Al Gore screams around and says, the world's got the flu, we need to do something. If we don't do something, we're gonna, this world's going to burn up with climate change. Well, that was 40 years ago he started spewing that nonsense. And here we are today. We're all still living. Everybody keeps putting these BS deadlines. Oh, in nine years, and eight years, the climate Scientologists change. Remember what Josef Goebbels, the Nazi director of propaganda and enlightenment said, when you tell a lie often enough, People believe it to be the truth, and that's exactly what we are seeing. And even in Tampa, we've got a mayor who's the former police chief who allowed this nonsense when people started up to about two weeks ago. We had violent protesters that were going down major arteries, major streets, major uh, intersections, climbing on cars, stopping traffic, and she did nothing. Well, I know for fact that a number of supporters reamed her ass out and said, you better end this nonsense. Now, she still really hasn't come out and done anything. So anytime these mayors or these political officials think that they are doing a service, that they're just going to allow these protests to just whimper out naturally and just like a fire, you start a campfire and just let it extinguish itself, not going to happen. It's going to continue to foment until you get tough and say no more. This BS ends right now. You want to protest and get a get a, a permit and do it peacefully? That's fine. You start crossing into violence. You start blocking streets, blocking intersections, moving into certain residential neighborhoods. You start climbing on cars, getting violent, desecrating property. Enough's enough. We have a zero tolerance for it. But until these mayors buck up and grow a set, and of course, when it comes to Dems, they never will. Because they like fomenting the violence. They like fomenting the uncertainty. Because they think this is going to help them in the election. Newsflash, you fucking morons. You are going to hand Donald Trump another victory come November. Mark my words. And I've been critical of President Trump. He has not handled the pandemic great. I believe that he's too thin-skinned. Some of these tweets, I saw a few tweets yesterday that were, I thought, inappropriate. Start acting presidential. You are the president. You've been there four years. I get that uh, that there was a cabal and a coup against you by Obama, Biden, and uh, many of the former members of the administration, Comey, Clapper, Brennan, all those zeros. But act presidential. But I still believe, people, there's a silent majority that are fed up with what they are seeing. I know this for a fact because I speak to many of them. NBC Sports sued for, wait for it, heterosexual discrimination. Jeremy Roenick, former NHL player, NHL analyst on NBC Sports, files a heterosexual discrimination in wrongful termination lawsuits. Let me give you some background. Jeremy Roenick was a guest on a December 19th, 2019 episode of Barstool Sports Spittin' Chicklets podcast. And he joked about wanting to have a threesome with his wife and Catherine Tappan, another NBC Sports host. I've seen Tappan, and I can understand why he'd want to tap her. It was a joke. It was conversation. It was bar room talk, barstool talk. And of course... Tappan got very offended and said this is unacceptable. It was all in good fun. And, but the problem today is instead of Tappan laughing it off, saying, ha ha, very funny, everybody's got to be offended today. So the former NHL players described a day when the three of them were out by the pool while on vacation. They were friends. So his wife, Catherine Tappan, Jeremy Roenick, all friends. 
and they were asked by another vacationer about the situation between all of them. And he said, I play it off like we're going to bed together every night, the three of us. If it really came to fruition, that would really be good, but it's never going to happen. Now, he, of course, said it would be good. Any man would say that. And listen, if you've got your wife and another hot broad, of course you want a banger. He said it in jest. He didn't, he wasn't derogatory towards her. He said, hey, people ask about that all the time. Well, 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 NBC Sports, first of all, suspends him. And then they said that finally, after looking at it, that they were going to fire him because of his sex or, or he's, they were going to, of, of, of the connotation and the fact that the way that he said things towards uh, Tappan were just unacceptable. So NBC Sports, because again, most TV executives, let's say 99% of them have no balls. They're wussified betas. They cower at the first sight of controversy. Instead of letting Ronick go up and apologize and say, look, you know, I, I was doing it as a joke. Clearly, maybe I went over the line. I apologize to Catherine Tappan because certainly she knows that has never happened. We've always been respectful. And Tappan should have come out and said, you know, what he said I think was over the line, but he's always been respectful. And never once did did Tappan ever say, oh, yeah, he sexually harassed me, tried to get us in bed, tried to get me in bed. Never said that. So he apologizes for his comments a a few weeks later, suspended, ultimately fired. Now, in the lawsuit that was filed yesterday, Roenick says during the 2018 Winter Olympics, he asked NBC Sports executive Sam Flood about colorful commentary he heard from analyst Johnny Weir regarding the body parts of ice skaters. Roenick says that Flood responded by saying Weir is gay and can say whatever. That's probably true. There is a double standard. We know that. Roenick also points to a story from earlier this month about a video where Weir and Tara Lipinski, another NBC commentator, used a vulgar term for a woman's groin and joked about a sexual affair when talking about Olympic bronze medalist Brady uh, Tunnell. However, in the lawsuit, it says there has not been any remedial action taken against Lipinski or Weir. Roenick says he was fired because of his sex and sexual orientation. He also said his open support for President Donald Trump in 2017 played a factor in his dismissal. NBC Sports had no comment. Is anybody surprised? First of all, Roenick is a great analyst. He's very, very good. The guy is really, really, I thought on uh, NHL coverage, was, was insightful, had a great personality. You go on a show, and today in this nonsensical PC culture, you can't even joke about anything. And how about an NBC executive saying, look, it was a joke, and, and call Catherine Tappan and say, Catherine, look, you know, we're going to suspend them, or we're thinking about just a short suspension. You know, Tappan should have come out, especially since they were friends. I don't recall her coming out saying, hey, listen, I know Jeremy. This was all in jest. I think she came out and said, oh, I was offended, and this demeans me. Some bullshit like that. Again, today we live in a hyper, hyper sensitive PC culture. And I think the real reason he was fired was because he supported President Trump. And we know that the executives at NBC are all Dems. We know the media is controlled primarily. Uh, If you look at CNN, the New York Slime, the Washington Compost, BSDNC, They all have a liberal DNC slant. There's no question about it. All you need to do is take a look at the the public giving files, the the donation files, to various candidates. And 95% of all government workers, if you look at uh, many of the executives in, in the news media and in Hollywood, donate to the Democrats. That's not shocking. That's not a surprise. They don't want alternative opinion. They love standing on their soapbox and say, I support the ACLU. Well, if you support the ACLU, civil liberties, that means everybody's opinion should be freely expressed, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. And that is the problem. I hope Jeremy Roenick wins. Accusing NBC of heterosexual discrimination and wrongful termination lawsuit. Do you think that there is a bias towards gay commentators or people that are gay? 
when it comes to certain job situations where maybe they say something that could be over the line, construed to be a, of a sexual nature or harassing nature, I think that's absolutely true. I think there is a double standard. All right, let me take a little break here. And while I do that, let me tell you, talking about double standards, I've got a double-edged stainless steel guillotine in my hand, and I also have the New World by A.J. Fernandez. Love this cigar. It is a square box-pressed cigar, a Nicaraguan Puro. Nicaraguan wrapper, binder, and filler. It is uh, just a zesty cigar, marvelous construction. In fact, let me pull out. I've got the... Churchill, which is a 7-inch by 52 cigar, a ring-gauge size cigar. If you are new to cigars, you just found Bold Alpha. I also, for many years, and still do, host the Cigar Dave podcast. I have two names, Alpha Dave, Cigar Dave. I go by multiple aliases. So if you are just tuning in for the first time to Bold Alpha and say, well, why is he talking about a cigar? Well, part of the Alpha lifestyle is cigars, spirits, grilling. So I've got in my hand a self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine. I'm going to cut this cigar. Not going to do a full-fledged litation ceremony here. But as I toast the foot of this cigar, let me tell you that this particular stick uses a just a nice dark, oily, almost an oscuro, which means almost a black-colored wrapper. It's just the feeling in the hand, square-pressed. It's not a typical cylindrical type of cigar, but very, very nice. Uh, seven inches in length, 52 ring gauge, meaning 52 sixty-fourths of an inch in diameter. But because it is box-pressed, it is certainly very different. It doesn't feel like it's that big of a cigar. And it uses jam- and it's jam-packed with full-flavored Lajeros from the Esteli and Condega regions of Nicaragua. And, as I puff and rotate, they use... Hmm. Delicious. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Fantastic. They also use some tobaccos from the Ometepe volcanic region. Ometepe, an island uh, in one of the lakes in Nicaragua, volcanic soil that yields really just incredible cigar tobaccos. So this has got a couple of notes of a little espresso, Mm. a little spiciness, a little sweetness. Mm. Definitely a zesty cigar. Can't go wrong, the New World by A.J. Fernandez. And in fact, I'm going to keep this puppy lit up the rest of this edition of Bold Alpha. All right, let's get back to it here. All right, third thing I want to get to today. Fake news, liberal media screaming ICU bed shortage in a crowded theater. What do I mean by that? We have heard CNN, and we have heard BSDNC, and we have heard all these networks and newspapers saying there's a massive crisis. Florida's a hotspot for the Chinese Wuhan virus. And by the way, if this is your first time listening to Bold Alpha, we do not call it by the phony, fake COVID-19. That name was created to placate the Chinese communist bastards, the bastard pricks, that spread the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus to the rest of the world. We call it what it is, the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. That's exactly what it is. So we have heard over the last week, hospitals getting jammed in Florida and Texas, ICU beds, very short supply. So I decided that I was going to actually look at reality. I was going to look at the actual facts, the numbers, the statistics. One of the things that I want you all to remember that the biased media, they will they do this better than anyone else. They do this all the time. Some bullshit study comes out. We hear about hydroxychloroquine. They did a hydroxychloroquine study with in the uh, vet, uh, vet, vet, uh, veterinary, veterinary, the Veterans Administration Hospital, not the veterinary, the Veterans Administration Hospital, the VA. The VA. I'm enjoying this cigar so much. I, I want to get to it one more time here. So trying to talk quickly, and I shouldn't do that. Relax. Take our time here. Now, the VA did a study. Certain members in the VA, does hydroxychloroquine help patients that have the Chinese Wuhan virus? Well, they did a study, and it showed that didn't have any effect, and in some cases, the mortality rates were higher. Well, what they didn't tell you and what the media never does is look at the background Look at what the study, let's look at the, the basis behind the study. So if you would have done that, if the lazy lib media would have done that, they would have realized the survey sample was 30, I think 35 or 38 people. It was under 40. 
Most of the patients they gave the hydroxychloroquine were already in ICU, were in their 80s. They were already, they had other conditions. It didn't help them. So what did the study then show? Big headline, hydroxychloroquine shows no effect. That's not true. We know that hydroxychloroquine works. The key is, and I've talked about this, and I talked about it last week, a good friend that made a quick recovery. Hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. Hydroxychloroquine is the gun. The zinc is the bullet. But the key is you need to get it early on. You cannot wait seven or ten days for a test result to come back. And that's what the test results are running now. It's, you're looking, I went onto the CVS website because they have, because they have uh, 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 testing sites all over in their retail stores. And they are averaging now a, I think it said five to seven day turnaround. Quest Labs said they're looking at seven to 10 days. They're trying to expedite that. So it's a huge problem. And the big problem is, let's say you get conditions. You go to get tested. Your doctor said, well, let's wait for the test. Too late. By the time the test comes back, over five days later, the viral load of the Chinese Wuhan virus explodes. You must conquer, you must eradicate, you must start treating before the fifth day, before that viral load explodes. Now, I'm not a physician, but I will tell you, do your research. We've posted it on our social media. And you have to be your own patient advocate. If for some reason you go in and you have the the symptoms of Chinese Wuhan virus, you have a sore throat you have a cough, you are achy, whatever the case may be, and your doctor says, well, we'll get a test, but I'm not going to do anything until we get the test. You demand your physician. Now, I'm not telling you what to tell them to prescribe to you. Do your own research. We've posted it. But I can tell you that in the event that something would happen to me if I was somehow got the Chinese Wuhan virus, and I've been very careful, but I will tell you right off the bat, hydroxychloroquine, 200 uh, milligrams a day, twice a day, zinc sulfate, 220 milligrams, and azithromycin. And for those people that have, I think, heart conditions, there's another type of antibiotic they can prescribe instead of that because many people will say, well, there's issues with the T-segments on, uh, or uh, not the T-segments, but um, there's another term they use for uh, cardiology that uh, can cause issues with a heart, with azithromycin, but there are other alternatives. But the key is you cannot wait until you're already on your deathbed. The key is you don't want to get into the hospital. You do not want to get into the hospital. Quick story, very good friend of mine, fellow cigar connoisseur, Dr. Spiros Hamplos, excellent physician in St. Petersburg, Florida, went to call in a prescription for a physician or for a patient who had bad signs of the Chinese Wuhan virus, tested positive, called in a prescription to CVS that included hydroxychloroquine. Gets a call back from CVS. They said, what is the reason you are prescribing this? Now, it's not up to a pharmacy to query a physician why they are prescribing something. That's none of their business. If a physician has a valid uh, DEA dispensary license to be able to write prescriptions and diagnoses a patient, then the pharmacy should fill it, period. Well, they called my friend, Dr. Hamplos, and he said, it's for somebody who's got the uh, coronavirus. They said, our company policy is we will not fill it. Didn't fill it. Well, he wasn't going to take that lightly. First, he called another pharmacy. They filled it no problem. He then reached out to one of uh, two TV stations, one of whom called him back, Channel 13, WTVT, you missed the boat on that story. WFLA-TV, Channel 8, calls them back. They send a reporter over that afternoon, makes it on the 11 o'clock news. We'll post it on social media. And he says, look, this is a problem. This is an issue. And CVS came out and said, well, this is our company policy, so on and so forth. The only reason it's a company policy is because clearly they have a political bent against President Trump. That's what it boils down to. And everybody that touts phony Fauci, Dr. Fauci is the brilliant man, that one guy should have the decision-making power for this entire country, forget it. No chance. That's why I call him phony Fauci. He knew that hydroxychloroquine for the last 15 years was effective. But just remember, follow the money. And now he's touting Remvesidir. 72 million of American taxpayer dollars, $3,200 a dose, 
It's only good. You only give it when you are already in the hospital. And what are we trying to avoid? Getting in the hospital in the first place. Which leads me back to what I was beginning this segment with. That the fake news liberal media screaming ICU bed shortage in a crowded theater. Let's look at Florida. And I wanted to do statistics. Again, I operate on fact, not on fantasy. So when we talk about fact, I've always learned what I was debating in high school. Start with the facts. Gather all the facts. Whether you are, if, and we were assigned, many instances, I would say 75% of the time, I was assigned to defend a stance, a position, a thesis that I personally didn't agree with. But that didn't stop me from getting all the facts and making my case. And in many cases, I won. Probably most of the cases, I won. But let's look at fact. In the state of Florida, the population, which is key, there are 21.5 million people in Florida. 21.5 million Floridians. It's a big state. Now, how many hospital beds do you think in a state with 21.5 million people there are? 300,000 beds? 200,000 beds? 100,000 beds? Let me give you the exact answer. 47,280 beds. How do I know this? Well, I went on to the state of Florida has created a brand new website started about a month ago. The Agency for Healthcare Administration for the state of Florida created a new portal where they update the bed census and the ICU bed census on a real-time basis. So this, the last time this was updated was this morning at 8.30.32 a.m. So 8.30.32 seconds. I'm giving you the exact time. And they normally update this. I'll see this updated sometimes six hours, eight hours, sometimes 12 hours, but it's, it's updated at least twice a day. It's very, very accurate. They created this so people could see exactly where the beds were available, what the issues were. And in fact, as I just right now, I see that it just refreshed. And now there are, this is interesting, the bed census and staffed availability has just gone down. So now, instead of 47,280, it shows there are 46,893 beds in the state of Florida. How many are available right now? 14,398. 23.49% available capacity. That was up from earlier this morning when I checked it. At uh, 8.30 this morning, it was at 22%. So the bed capacity is actually up. It's gone from 13,000, or the available beds from 13,238 to 14,398. So it's gone up by 1,100 beds in uh, about three hours. Very interesting. Let's look at the ICU beds. And I'm doing this by county by county basis. You can break it down by hospital if you care for. Now, how many ICU beds do you think are in the state of Florida? Because we keep hearing the media saying, the ICUs are getting jammed. They're getting full. It's a crisis situation. In the entire state of Florida, there are 47, correction, let me give you the exact number of beds. There are 46,893 total beds in the state of Florida. Total hospital beds. Right now, 14,398 are available, so that's about 23.5%. Looking at the ICU beds by county. How many ICU beds do you think there are in the entire state of Florida? Remember, we have 21.5 million people. Would you say 15,000? 10,000? How about 5,000? 95. There are 5,000, let's just call it 5,100 beds. 5,100 beds. 21.5 million people. ICUs normally operate on a 90 plus percent capacity, on a 91% occupancy rate. It is not unusual. If you would have looked at the statistics one year ago today, I will guarantee you that the ICU beds availability and, and usage was probably the same as it is today. So let's take a look. We've got 5,095 ICU beds in the state of Florida as of right now. There are 1,229 available beds, meaning 
It's running at about an 81% occupancy. There are 19.5% of the total beds that are available. Now, let's look at the hotspots. The first hotspot we've been hearing about is Miami-Dade. Miami-Dade is a huge population. I think the county alone is, I don't know, 2 million people, 1,000,005, million whatever it is. There are 852 ICU beds. There are 214 beds available. So 20% of the beds are now available. That number has gotten better. Let's look at Hillsborough, which is the county where Tampa is located in. So if we look at Hillsborough County right this second, then I think Hillsborough County is a million, 1.6 million people, 1.5 million people, something like that. There are 327 ICU beds for the entire county. 53 available right now. So 14% of the beds are available. Now, listening to the media, you would think that we have a huge crisis going on here. There's a huge, huge situation. This is massive. I mean, ICUs are overflowing and people can't get in. But they never tell you that ICUs normally run at a high capacity. So right now, I would love to see the comparison. It doesn't have it on this particular website that I'm looking. We are linking this, by the way. We'll put it on all our social media. But I would love to absolutely see what one year ago at this time, what the adult ICU bed census was, the available ICU beds, and the ICU percentage. Right now, there are 1,229 out of 5,095 beds available. That's 19.5%. I would guarantee you that if we look last year at this time, the numbers are probably close or maybe even higher. Why? Because remember, many people that have elective surgery, when you think of elective surgery, it's not just a nose job or a boob job. You're talking about technically certain heart procedures are elective. Valve replacements are elective. Other major surgeries are technically elective because they're not emergency. But many people that have heart surgery, where do they go after surgery for a day or two? Into the ICU. People that have complex abdominal surgery, where do many of them go for a day or two? The ICU. So it is not unusual for ICUs to run at a 90-plus percent occupancy rate. It's not surprising. But let's take a look at the Chinese Wuhan virus hospitalizations by county. In the entire state of Florida, we have 41.5 million people. As of right now, there are 8,988 people that are hospitalized. Now, it does not give me the number of people that have the Wuhan virus that are in ICUs. But clearly, there are 8,988 people that are hospitalized because of it, and there's only 5,095 ICU beds. So clearly, and there's still availability in the ICU. So many of these people are on regular floors or floors converted just to, just to uh, for the Chinese Wuhan virus. So let's take a look right now at Miami-Dade. Right now, in Miami-Dade, there are 1,935 patients that are in the hospital. So let's go back and take a look at the number of total hospital beds in Miami-Dade. There are 6,974 hospital beds in Miami-Dade, 6,974. So out of those, we've got 1,935 people. So roughly you have 30% of those beds in the hospital are for people that have the Chinese Wuhan virus. It could be minor, could be more major, we don't know. Let's look at Hillsborough County, where I reside in Tampa. Hillsborough County has 3,203 beds. We'll call it 3,200 for simplicity. In Hillsborough right now, there are 464 patients that are hospitalized for the Chinese Wuhan virus. And again, what did I say in terms of the Total number of beds, I said in Hillsborough, there were 3,200. So roughly about, let's just say, 12, 13% of the total beds being used in hospitals right now in Hillsborough are for the Chinese Wuhan virus. But listening to the lying fake news lib media, you would think that this is just a massive, massive problem. Again, look at fact. Look at the data. And this is what the media does so beautifully and so perfectly. 
They lie. They manipulate. They only give you little tidbits. They never give you the exact data. Have you heard any physician or any reporter analyze what I just did? The answer is absolutely not. No way, shape, or form. Always look behind the curtain. Look behind the curtain. When you do, you will see that in Florida, yes, there's a large number of people. Many people are asymptomatic, but we're not seeing millions of people now croaking and millions of people in hospitals. Right now, out of 21.5 million people in the state of Florida, there are 8,988 patients. Is that too much? Of course. We want zero with the Chinese Wuhan virus. But again, the way the media slants it, you would think there are no ICU beds, that there are no hospital beds, that the hospitals are bursting at the seams. Not the case. If it were the case, don't you think the governor of Florida would call up to President Trump and say, President, can, you, can we get the victory of the comfort ship here? Can we build some hospitals in the convention centers? We haven't needed that. I've spoken to several physicians that have told me they have diagnosed multiple patients with the Chinese Wuhan virus. And they're saying that if you do not have the underlying secondary comorbidities, diabetes or, or uh, asthma or other issues, that it seems to be a less virulent form than initially they saw in New York and in Seattle. But one thing Florida has done is done a great job of protecting the nursing home patients and the nursing home population. Governor Cuomo in New York, excuse me, Ayatollah Andrew Cuomo, whitewashed everything with his uh, with with a, with a uh, investigative report that his own health department did which said yep nope, no problem no problem sending all those Wuhan virus patients back in even though 7000 nursing home patients died nope not our fault please again the lib fake news media never is looking out for you they are never on your side they always have an agenda and all i say is as ronald reagan says trust but verify you can listen to him Go ahead and verify. And I just did it for you, and they are blatantly lying. All right, let me tell you something I'm not lying about. Guaranteed. The Gurkha Nicaraguan Series cigar launched a year ago. Gurkha came out with some fabulous cigar cigars. They're Gurkha Trenta to commemorate their 30th anniversary. But this Gurkha Nicaragua Series, they really, they had full-flavored cigars, but they really never had a Nicaraguan Puro cigar in their inventory. And this Nicaraguan cigar is medium to full, a lot of flavor, uses a Corojo 99 Nicaraguan wrapper, dual Corojo 99 binders, and Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 long fillers. What do I say by, when I say Corojo, Criollo, that's a type of seed. Every seed has different characteristics. And I will on... Starting next week on the Cigar Dave podcast, and if you have not subscribed, if you've just found Bold Alpha and you want to learn more about becoming a cigar connoisseur, do a search in your app provider, in your uh, app uh, or in your, your podcast app or your app podcast aggregator. Do a search for Cigar Dave and make sure you subscribe. And please subscribe to the Bold Alpha podcast while you're listening right now. But next week on Cigar Dave, I'm going to do a uh, cigar CCU or, or uh, um, Cigar University. CU Cigar University 101 course. Next week, I'm going to spend time on cigar wrappers. Over the next probably four to six weeks, we're going to go back to the basics because we have many new listeners that have discovered us via podcast. And I've gotten some email from people saying, Hey, listen, General, I hear you talking about cigars on your Bold Alpha. I've always wanted to try a cigar, but I don't know where to start. So, We'll talk about cigars on the Cigar Dave podcast, so make sure you do a search, and we're going to start uh, talking about the basics. But the Gurkha Nicaragua series, for those of you that are experienced connoisseurs, you like a hearty steak, you like a spicy meal, you're going to love the Gurkha Nicaragua series. It's got nice spice. It lingers. Just a very smooth cigar. Very, It's got all the best of Nicaragua. The smoothness, the boldness, the richness. Can't go wrong. The Gurkha Nicaragua series, GurkhaCigars.com. Com. And while I have, uh, while I'm talking to you at this time, for those of you that are getting into cigars or want to experience various types of cigars, mild, medium, full, different wrappers, different sizes, my suggestion, you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club. We send members three cigars every month. We bill your card at the beginning of the month by around the 15th to the 18th, 20th. 
We send out three great cigars shipped to you in a Cigar Dave Officers Club Ziploc pouch. We've got fantastic cigars that every month I select in conjunction with various cigar manufacturers. And I can tell you that for July, we have come up with a fabulous selection. Every selection is always great. You can never go wrong. But the cigars that I have selected in conjunction with Aganorsa Leaf, absolutely spectacular. We have we call it the Aganorsa <coughs> Let me stop and go back here. The Aganorsa Leaf Sampler. Three cigars. The JFR Lunatic Habano, which is a massive ring gauge size cigar. It screams alpha. The Guardian of the Farm, which is named after the American Bulldogs that guard the Aganorsa Farms. Just a nice medium-bodied cigar with notes of cream, cinnamon, really an under-the-radar gem. And the Casa Fernandez Miami Reserva Maduro. Full-flavored. Full-bodied, rolled at Aganorsa's Boutique Factory in Miami. They only have three rollers. Rich Mexican San Andrean Marone wrapper. High-priming Nicaraguan fillers. Just an artisanal beauty. Loads of flavor. So, join the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Go to CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. $22.95 per month, and you will get great cigars such as the Aganorsa Leaf Sampler that our members should start receiving uh, early next week. All right, let me move on here. And talk about NASCAR. I am not a NASCAR fan. Never have been. Don't watch. Let me rephrase that. I watched the Daytona 500 for like the start and then the last three laps. And that's it. Not a NASCAR fan. To me, I just don't get watching a car going around a track 555 times or 600 times or 200 times or 300 times. I just don't get it. Does not excite me. Hang on as I relight my cigar here. My new world. Mm. Why, A.J. Fernandez. Fantastic. So, when I watch NASCAR, I got to be honest. I like watching the crashes. I like seeing the cars flip around and jumping up and down. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But I think a lot of people look at NASCAR that don't really aren't racing fans And that's what they watch for. I'm being honest. Well, we know that NASCAR came to the forefront a few weeks ago when Bubba Wallace, who is a mixed driver. When I say mixed, he's half white, half black. His father's white. His mother is black. And so, but they make a big deal that he's the first, I think the first black driver, you know, or the only black driver on the NASCAR squad. Again, I couldn't name a, I could name maybe two drivers. If I saw them in the street, all lined up, couldn't pick them out. Couldn't tell you. Well, Bubba Wallace, as you know, screamed racism when a noose was found in his garage. Now, the first thing I did when I heard that, I thought, well, the noose is, is the noose hanging from like the ceiling? Is the noose, you know, was it, was it, was there a note with it? I mean, the first thing you hear is, oh my God, there's got to be a, this is bad. And then you find out that the rope where there was a handle that had looked like a small noose, a, a, a type of knot that they used, was used to pull down the garage. Now, how many of you have ever had to pull your garage down when the power goes out? Now, up until recently, I have, I have uh, two garage doors, and one of them, the garage door opener after, 50, I don't know, like 20 years, 17 years, whatever it is, just kind of gave out. So I call the garage door company, they come over, and they say, look, the -the state-of-the-art garage door we're going to put in has this rubber belt that's guaranteed for life, it's much quieter, and here's a cool feature, two features. One, you can use a mobile app if you'd like, if you want to remotely open it, and there's a battery backup, so that if you lose power, you no longer have to manually disengage the door from the, the, the chain or from the pulley, and you don't have to manually lift that up. And that, that's happened to me, I'd say probably in the last 15 years, there's maybe been three times that I've actually had to do that. Well, now, when you've got a battery backup, no problem. But how many of you have had to take that, you have to pull down, there's a little rope that's usually on one side of the garage and you pull it down and you gotta, it's, and it's never in a knot, you gotta just grab it, and sometimes it slips, it's, it's like a polyester type of rope. It's an artificial or a nylon rope, so you don't get any traction on it. Well, if I had the opportunity, if I knew how to 
make a new snot, I would absolutely put that because on my garage door before they replaced and put the battery back up, it had that little string. And I can't tell you how many times I'd grab it and it would come out of my hand as I was pulling the door down. Halfway, it would come out of my hand and that was not a great scene. So to use that kind of knot where you actually can pull and, and use it for traction when you pull down on that door, up or down, great idea. Just because somebody uses that as a noose or uses a noose knot does not mean that that is racial. Now, before they did any investigation, of course, Bubba Wallace, and he says, look, this was brought to me. I never went in the garage. My crew chief brought it to me. They had been there for umpteen days. Don't you think they should have probably, before they made a big deal, NASCAR made a big deal, said, hey, uh, does anybody here at the track, does that know, was that there before or, or was that there when you got there? Nobody really did that until the FBI was called in and brought, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 agents and did an investigation. And they found that there were pictures from a year ago from uh, somebody who ever used that particular garage decided, hey, you know what? That's a good idea. Maybe they had the same problem. They couldn't get traction. So they created a little noose, a little noose knot. And it was right to pull the, pull the garage door up and down. That's it. And in terms of Bubba Wallace being assigned to that garage, it's totally random. Apparently, they, they, uh, they pull out, I don't know if they pull it out of a hat or how it works, but they don't just say, okay, Bubba Wallace, you're in uh, garage number six. It's all done randomly. Well, Bubba Wallace came out and, you know, of course, said, I know what I saw and so on and so forth and made the rounds. And instead of just saying, hey, listen, case closed, it was not on purpose, clearly, That was used to pull the door down. You know what? I'm glad it wasn't. Thankfully, it was not on purpose. So therefore, problem averted. He didn't do that. He kept sticking to it and said, I know what I saw. So is it any surprise? And really what you're doing is you're you're insulting NASCAR fans. You're assuming that every NASCAR fan is a redneck hick. Are there some redneck hicks? Of course. Is everyone? No. Is everyone a Confederate flag-waving NASCAR fan? No. Look, I know a lot of upscale people that love NASCAR. Again, I don't get it, but they love it. So that's, that's their, if they enjoy it, more power to them. But Bubba Wallace almost doubled and tripled down on it. Instead of saying, look, it was coincidental that we, we were assigned that garage. Somebody clearly used that. And you know what? It it was not hung. And when I saw that, I realized it was there a year ago. That was clearly not done for the purpose of any racial overtones. It was done just to get traction to pull the garage door up and down. He didn't do that. So can you blame many NASCAR fans when he puts essentially all the NASCAR fans under the bus and people associated with NASCAR? They booed him. Last week, He took some heat before the NASCAR All-Star Open, which is the race to qualify for the main event at Bristol Motor Speedway on Wednesday. Fans booed Wallace when he was introduced, and when he crashed 17 laps into the race, the crowd began cheering. Now, is that a surprise? No. Is that racial? No. No way. But, of course, uh, some people interpreted well. You know, that's, they, they did it because he's black. That's BS. If a football player on a team that I liked started calling out fans or insinuating that all Donald Trump supporters are evil, racist, unintelligent uh, 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 boors, I'd have a big problem with that. And would I boo him the next time he comes out on the field? You're damn right I would. So Bubba Wallace... Love no. Did you ever hear about Bubba? Ever heard the name Bubba Wallace? I never heard about. I never heard the guy. Never even knew his name. Never knew who the hell. I had no clue. And I guarantee this was his time to say, "Great, I'm going to make take a stand, and I'm going to I'm going to get some exposure." And remember, I don't know if you remember, but there was uh, when his his car was pulling in. Everybody followed his car in a show of unity to show that there's no racism. And they stood behind him. And who was the center of attention? Bubba Wallace. Don't tell me Bubba Wallace didn't enjoy his 15 minutes of fame when this thing happened. Again, if it was legitimate, where somebody hung a noose with some sort of rope and it was never there before in the center of the garage, then I'd say, hey, NASCAR, you got a problem. Somebody targeted Bubba Wallace. That wasn't the case. His crew chief knew it. He knew it. 
NASCAR jumped the gun instead of saying, look, before we do anything, Bubba, let's do an investigation, see where we are. Nope, NASCAR immediately came out, jumped the gun, but the FBI did an investigation, didn't take them long. I think it was a day or two and came out and said, nope, we looked at this. This was done a year ago. We've got pictures from over a year ago when this was used. It was used for a handle. There was no malicious intent whatsoever. And I will tell you, that is not the last time that Bubba Wallace will be booed this season and maybe into future seasons. No ifs, no ands, no buts. People look at that as an insult towards them. And not every NASCAR fan, there's a very small percentage that loves to wave the Confederate flag, whatever, not my thing. But 95% of those NASCAR fans across the country, they don't wave Confederate flags. They're not racist. In no way, shape, or form do they have anything against Bubba Wallace. But Bubba Wallace used that new situation, which was an innocuous rope that was formed into a noose to be able to pull that garage door down and up, but use that for his claim to fame. And so when the fans rebel and boo before he, uh, when he's introduced and when he crashes, can you blame them? The answer is no. And I'll tell you what I will not blame you for is wanting to try a reintroduced cigar. One of my favorites, the Avo Classic, made by Davidoff. It's a great cigar, medium-bodied, Connecticut wrapper, Dominican binder, Dominican filler. Well, they've reintroduced the Avo Classic Maduro. So if you like a cigar that's got creaminess, rich flavor, a little bit of sweetness, you're going to love the Avo Classic Maduro. uses a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. A Connecticut broadleaf wrapper is grown in the Connecticut River Valley of Connecticut. It is a sun-grown type of wrapper, but the way that the wrapper is aged, where they allow the wrapper... Oh, Baron even heard me talk about Avo Classic Maduro, and now he wants an Avo Classic Maduro, as you can hear him in the background. Okay, Baron, you'll get a cigar later. Just chill out. Actually, I think he hears somebody here at Command Center Alpha here in the Cigar City that's, uh, that's near my, my studio. But as I was saying, the Connecticut Broadleaf Wrapper, the way they get this wrapper, they ferment the wrapper, they put it in giant bulks, and they allow it to heat up naturally. And they keep doing this. They do it over and over. And as it heats up to a certain temperature, they basically disassemble the bulk, all the leaves, and they bulk it up again in these giant, giant uh, square piles, about four or five feet high. And you stick your hand in there, and the natural fermentation, you can feel the heat. And the more fermentation on this wrapper, the sweeter the wrapper. You get these sugars, you get the oils on it. It's beautiful. And so Avo decided they would take the Avo Classic and bring back the American Connecticut Broadleaf, put the uh, Broadleaf wrapper on it and give it that nice flavor that was really well-known for many years. And they took it off the market, but it's creamy. It's got notes of sweetness, cinnamon, chocolate. It's a delicious cigar. You cannot go wrong. Great draw. Three sizes, a Robusto, 5x50, the number two, which is the Toro, six inches in length with a 50 ring gauge or 50 64 of an inch. And the Avo Classic Maduro number three, my favorite, Seven and a half by 50. Can't go wrong with any of those. The Avo Classic Maduro. Avo cigars change the tempo. Want to take time to recognize the passing of a very dear friend. Somebody who became a, not just a friend, but almost family. The entire family uh, became family. The Photopolis family of Charlotte. For many years, every May or June, I would conduct live broadcast maneuvers for my other show, The Cigar Dave Show, in Charlotte. I think we did that in Charlotte. I want to say we were there for about 15 years in a row that we did it. And for the last, I would say, six, seven years, we did it, or eight years, from the Ballantine Hotel and Resort in Charlotte, in the Ballantine area of Charlotte. Beautiful hotel, five-star hotel. The staff couldn't have been nicer. The management couldn't have been more accommodating. Wonderful people. It was like we were home. And our entire crew from Mick the Brit in London, and you'll hear more of them on the Cigar Day broadcast, as well as here on Bold Alpha, Colonel Ange and Captain Paul, Voice Talon Ed, just our entire crew. We would go to Charlotte 
We would stay at the Ballantine. We'd always get in Wednesday or Thursday. And the first stop we would always make was the Greek Isles restaurant in Uptown Charlotte. And we were introduced by our other very good friend, Captain Cy Emerus, who is a dear friend like a brother. And the first time I met Panos, it was, came in, hugged me. It's like we were, we were family. In Yiddish, mishpacha, meaning family. Just very warm. And then I met his lovely wife, Tula, and all his kids, George and, and, uh, and, and Frank and, and just Greg, everybody. And we would always come in, just huge table, and we just fell in love with the place. And many times, we'd be there five nights. We would eat dinner there two or three nights because we just couldn't get enough of it. The food was great. Panos was wonderful. Great tour, great storyteller. We had him on the show many times. In fact, I'm going to have Sergeant Steve, our, uh, our executive producer, I will have him pull some of the audio, and we'll release that next week in a podcast, a tribute to Panos. He was just fantastic. You know, always would say, God bless America. Always have the Uzo. We would have great, just the whole Bronzini fish. The food was spectacular. And he also owned another restaurant in Uptown Charlotte called the French Quarter. Iconic restaurant. And his story is a typical American success story. Came to America with pennies in his pocket. Great article in the Charlotte Observer that we will link to. Outgoing personality. Just, just a... a gregarious man and he ended up uh, starting as a dishwasher and then became a waiter maitre d and the next thing you know he starts wants to buy a restaurant so they moved to charlotte in i believe it was i want to say the maybe it was 86 mid mid 80s i believe they moved to charlotte and so he found a restaurant created a new restaurant called the french quarter in uptown charlotte they call downtown uptown in Charlotte. And Uptown is booming today. It's bustling. But when Pano started that restaurant in the mid-80s, it wasn't bustling, but it became an institution in Uptown Charlotte. And then in 2004, he always wanted to operate an authentic Greek restaurant. And he found a building that he rented on South Boulevard, about three quarters of a mile, uh, a mile south of downtown Charlotte, or again, they call it Uptown. And there was nothing there. There was bupkis. There was no residential homes. There was nothing around there. But his restaurant became a draw. And the next thing you know, apartments start going up and other retail locations. And then they built the, the light rail line that went into the southern suburbs. And the place was booming. Operated it until 2015 when the landlord doubled the rent. And really, unfortunately, they decided that... It just wasn't feasible to do it. And that is sad. Oh, and there is Pendragon's Royal Baron. He even agrees with me. Listen to him. He knows that that landlord screwed over the Fotopoulos family. And, you know, I always talk about loyalty because I believe loyalty is fleeting. And that's a perfect example. When that landlord first bought that building, there was nothing there. He was the only tenant. He took half the building. He was a great tenant brought people down there, and then he was able to fill the, the, the uh, landlord. Because of, I think, what Panos did, people saw it could be a viable restaurant destination. They rented the other half of the restaurant. But the landlord says, okay, I'm going to screw you. And believe me, there was nobody lining up to rent that place when, in 2004, Panos decided he was going to open the Greek Isles. Well, Panos passed away on July 6th, at the age of 77 from the Chinese Wuhan virus. And his mom also tested positive, but she quickly got over the symptoms. But Panos' uh, lungs and heart just uh, gave out. But what a gregarious man. And in fact, in his honor, let me. I bought a bottle of Ouzo yesterday, and I want to have a little taste because one of the traditions we would always have, we would smoke cigars out on the deck, and then at the end of the evening, sometimes at the start of the evening, at the bar, Panos, when everybody would leave, or before people got there, Panos would take about six, eight shot glasses for all of us, and he would pour ouzo for everyone, and I'm going to pour a little bit of ouzo right now. Ooh, this aroma tastes exactly, you can smell the anise and the licorice, and let me say cheers. Mmm. Yasu, to my buddy Panos Fotopoulos, may he rest in peace. 
And Photopolis in your native Greek, Anafas Swinini, which means rest in peace. And we will certainly miss Panos. And I, I just give you a little personal story. When my father, Dr. Z, passed away, uh, October of 2014, be six years in October, I received a call on my phone and I didn't recognize the number, but it was from Charlotte. So I thought, well, maybe it's my buddy, Captain Sai. Maybe he's calling from another phone. And it was Panos. And he said, Dave, I talked to Captain Sai. He told me about your father and I wanted to call you myself. Panos and I were on the phone for 30 minutes. And at that very time, I can't tell you what it meant to me for Panos to call me and share a lot of life's philosophy and talking about my dad. And, and my dad would have loved Panos, would have loved the food. And let me tell you, Panos, whenever he knew my mother was from Egypt originally and loved, loved the Turkish coffee, which is like drinking 10W40 motor oil straight up. And before I would leave, every time without fail, he'd say, oh, wait, I've got a present for your mother. I've got some Greek coffee. And Greek coffee is like Turkish coffee. It is ultra high octane. It makes Starbucks look like water. But my mother would always appreciate it and just a huge heart. But he spent half hour with me and I can't tell you what it meant to me. And then about six, eight months later, I happened to be visiting Charlotte and I came in and of course, I called him, and before the restaurant, actually the restaurant closed between lunch and dinner. It's about 3 o'clock, and I told him in the neighborhood, he said, come on over, and we spent the next probably two hours with a glass of ouzo and just talking about my dad, and uh, we talked about life in general, and he was just a great guy. He was a, he really was, if you met Panos, you loved him. You loved his wife, Tula, she was I would always bake all the Greek pastries and insist. It's like, you know, your grandmother saying, you got to eat this. You got to have this. And his, his sons, just, um, just phenomenal, phenomenal gentlemen. And, you know, again, we'd go in there and it was like being with family. And I really believe that uh, Panos, wherever you may be, you're enjoying a glass of uh, Uzo. You're, you have enlightened heaven, I am sure, with your gregarious personality. And um, again, to Frank, Greg, and George, the entire Photopolis family, our condolences from the entire Cigar Dave and Bold Alpha crew and from me personally. And Panos, rest in peace, my friend. Anafas Swinini. Alpha Dave, the general alpha male-in-chief. Please, if you enjoy the podcast, the Bold Alpha podcast, make sure you subscribe. Tell three of your friends. Again, when it comes to alpha male lifestyle maneuvers or alpha male lifestyle commentary, we give it to you and dish it to you straight up without uh, fear of offending anybody. And if you want to become a cigar connoisseur, do a search in your favorite app, uh, podcast app or podcast aggregator for Cigar Dave. Click on subscribe. We do a daily cigar litation ceremony and we do Cigar Dave podcasts as well. When it comes to alpha male lifestyle maneuvers, whether it's spirits, grilling, gambling, dames, dice, cigars, we've got you covered. 